Welcome back to the Creative Herd. Um, today I am sitting down with Ryan Owen. Back Hello. Again Hello. Pod. Round two. I'm so excited. How you doing? Good, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Been trying to hook up for a while. Let's do another one. We're here. We're doing it. Yes. What's Very going excited. on with you recently? Huh, Have you a been good question. in the grand scheme of life? I mean, I try and think about from the from the last time that I was over versus now. Uh, a like lot the, better. Like, yeah, like where I was at in life and the last time I was on the podcast versus now. Uh, still really good and like even more busy. So, I'm, which I'm super happy about. As a recap, the fir- when you were on the podcast last, you had just made that big jump from going being full time. Yep. For like uh, a couple years, and then you're like, I'm just gonna go full time freelance. Yeah, and at that time, I was probably like only five or six months out of just being freelance, and that mm. now feels like probably a year ago, maybe two, maybe a year and a half. But like yeah. I, enough time has gone two. by where like it's 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 definitely still working. This freelance thing for me is still <laughs> definitely working, which is nice. Okay, first off, did you ever have any doubts? Were there any like doubts in the initial? first because you're definitely over a year so was there any initial thoughts because that's something that weighed on me when i was when i first made that jump i'm like literally the entire year is like when you're when you kind of go dry for a bit it's like can i do this can i do this i don't know i don't know then you get a job and you're like fuck yeah Yeah. and then it goes back down again yeah so i guess for me the initial one there was never a doubt just because of how big the anticipation was throughout all my years of like i knew i always wanted to do it and i knew i picked the right time to do it the doubt started to come when there was a couple of months or even like a three week span where I'm sitting there. I'm like, whoa, like I don't have anything in the funnel right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like working on two, pro- almost finished two little projects. I have nothing for the next three weeks. And then maybe I have something booked for like that, like the next month or like the next two months or something. But like that three week period where you're just kind of sitting there, that's, that's when the doubts kind of started of like, ooh, can I like actually properly maintain this? Or is this kind of like the start of like a downhill of like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to start not, not getting busy again. But I think you have to go through those years of freelancing and figuring out your clients of and when they're busy mm-hmm. and when they're not. Mm-hmm. And I understand that when you're not busy, it's because they're not busy. And then maybe that's just the time that you should be taking for yourself and know that it's okay because like you will be busy again type of thing. But coming out of the gate of doing the freelance thing and after the first podcast, there were those weeks where I'm like, wow, I have nothing right now. My next shoot is in like a month and a half. And I only have like, I'm finishing up two projects right now, but that middle ground is I'm doing nothing. And it's kind of a weird feeling. That was well said. Yeah. That's, um, it's crazy how accurate that is. You have to like really be in tune with the clients that you're working for Mm -hmm. to understand like their full and you won't understand that until you do a full year cycle with yeah by yourself and understand okay like these people usually hit me up this part of the year those people usually hit me that okay and that's their busy time i should reach out to them and you have to understand that but um and i think you hit the nail on the head there for sure because especially for me and it's i feel like it's different for all creatives but for me in terms of like who my clients are in a sense i have like half of my priority is clients that i found on myself Mm -hmm. and the other half of like my work is clients which are like actual agencies mm-hmm. that I used to work at or like somehow like found my way in at. So yeah. agencies are are easier to deal with in terms of like knowing when they're busy. So especially human yeah. contact, which is the agency that I used to work at, which I mentioned on the last podcast that I was mm-hmm. on. I know when they're busy. 
So I can kind of schedule other things around, but other clients that I have for myself, a lot of it is just like booking that one video to go on their website type of thing. There's still the one and done's yeah. that you deal with. Of course. Always. Um, so yeah, it's definitely easier to like manage like my time and, and understand like when the clients are busy, when it's an agency, because their clients are always the ones who are just like, these are the months that we're like, we're doing these videos and we're doing these projects for sure. Mm -hmm. Other ones are just like, Hey, we just build a new website. We want a video, which is a random pop-up that can happen in any month of the year. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. But I think the, the, um, not hope, but, uh, why I get ex sort of excited when I'm doing like the one and done things because it's like, Oh, Hey, we're like, we're just launching our website. I'm like, okay, if you guys are just launching, like you guys are building your web, which is good for me because I know at some point a random email is going to come at some point and just be like, hey, you did this person's video. Um, here's what we're trying to do. You did a great job with this. Can you give us a quote? And I'm just like, boom, that's where it is. That's exactly how it works. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I know one of the big points of what I messaged you saying that I wanted to talk about on this podcast is getting that one client to turn into five. All you have to do is just try and mm -hmm. find that one good client. And you saying that is exactly what happened. So when I first went freelance, pre like right when our first podcast episode, and when I moved back home, was doing stuff at Kingdom of Iron, I did a round of going around my hometown in my home area and just doing like person to person type of pitching. I'll walk into their business. Which is crazy. Let me first yeah. off cut you off there because that's like, you don't really hear about people doing that anymore. Not anymore. No. I didn't, I didn't do that. And when you told me that you were like straight up walking in face to face, I'm like, holy shit. What? Like it's a no, it's the no brainer. It's, it's actually dumb to not do that. Yeah. Like, and it makes sense in 2019 to like do it on Instagram well, no, 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 and no. that, and that's the problem is that I started with that and then you just get R bombed. No, no, no. Yeah, or like yeah. just show doesn't even open. Face. Just go in, show face. Especially in like, okay, Toronto is not a good example because no. it's a huge city, yeah. but in a smaller city where it's like, and, and maybe targeted businesses where like their door is turning a little bit slower um like a coffee shop that you can actually like remember people yes. like coffee shops can remember people so yeah. that kind of atmosphere where there's not like um a crazy fast-paced turnaround it's just like hey here's my name here's what i do here's my business card let me know yeah that's it and it worked for you it did so what i did was the first thing that i did was searched up uh businesses with the name media in their business I figured that's just worth the conversation. I'm also media, creative, trying mm -hmm. to do that kind of stuff. In your home If anything, it was worth the conversation of like, hey, you do this type of media. Maybe you can hire me on to like expand your horizon mm -hmm. and just hire me on as a contract for your clients type of thing. Yeah, whenever you so need So in it. a sense, just kind of use them as an agency between me and their clients and just help me. Oh, just me doing contracted work for them. So the first, there was only one business in my hometown, which is Bolton, that had media in its name. And it's called Motive Media. Walk right in, uh, tell them. Wait, did you schedule a meeting? How did I you did do this? I did schedule a meeting, okay. actually. So okay, can just for people who are and actually for me, like, how do you go about like? Okay, so I Google searched it. I find their email. Now what? For me, it's I Google searched it. I checked their website. For me, the first thing I always do is check their website because that's always the True. best thing to go for, especially for videos saying, "Hey, your website's not looking that good." 
a video can really <laughs> oh help. God. Don't word it like that, but yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. if the website's not good, then you know you have a chance. Like you have something to pitch for them. Yeah, being like, hey, true. tell them the importance of it. Of like, you know, obviously, like being on the web and being on the internet, and how video within a website can help that show personality. Uh, and character within your business rather than just a whole bunch of words on your website where people are going to forget anyways. If you have a video on your website and you, they see you talking or your team talking or like they tell the story of what you guys do and what you guys are about, then that, that definitely goes through a lot better. So what I did was I searched Motive Media. I realized that they were a printing company. So they did a lot of like vinyl prints for trucks and even indoor business spaces and stuff like that. Uh, and their website was looking pretty good. They had lots of pictures and their workspace looked really, really cool. So I walked in there, gave them a quick little pitch about like who I am, the clients I've serviced before. So drop some big names like Shoppers Drug Mart and like other stuff like that. Cause mm-hmm. that always makes client like these types of clients happy of like, Oh, you're not just some kid. Like you've actually been in this and you know yeah. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And from that, they're like, you know what? Like we are trying to hire some people and we're, we're having some problems with that. So I think we should like try and make a video of just showing the, the, the place, showing the vibe and like why people would want to work here. And they wanted a quick turnaround for that. So I got, I did a four day turnaround. Mm-hmm. It's a fun thing to shoot. A year later, I get a call from one of their clients. It's a transportation company. And they're like, hey, we saw the video you did for Motive Media. We're, we, we're doing our website. We want a video, which is why I kind of transitioned into Okay, this. so how did that company know? To go that, to me? That com- no, that company knew Motive Media? Correct. That company is one of Motive Media's clients. Okay, okay, that's the link from them. Yeah, so that's the link from them. So I get an email from a business called TrailCon saying that they saw the video that I did for Motive Media. They really liked it and they wanted to like try and see if, if I can do a video for them. Within the first three minutes, I gave her a call of like getting that email because I feel like that's super important. When mm-hmm. there's someone on the hook, you have to like jump on it right away. And giving a phone call, um, I don't know what it is, but I'm actually like trying to encourage my clients even now to give, I guess it's my responsibility, but like I leave, like leave your phone number everywhere, be accessible by phone because it makes such a big difference. It does. Oh, 100% it does for sure. And that, that's why I wanted to start off that client relationship was the phone call. So you got an email and immediately... Yeah, right away gave her a phone call and she loved that. And it's funny because that turned into... So let me just kind of recap. So it started with Motive Media, mm-hmm. another company, saw that video saying, oh, cool, we want a video done. Mm-hmm. I actually hired Mike Timos for, for that one, oh, for, okay. for the TrailCon video. He kind of helped me out with that. So that was that was sick. Shout out to Mike Timos. He was on the pod. Um, and then from that, this, this, the, the marketing manager for TrailCon, she sits on a board for all the, uh, uh, an organization within transportation called the TTC. So uh, The I TTC? Wish, yeah, but not like the TTC down here in like Toronto. Oh, what it's, the it's, it's kind of like a, a non-for-profit for the whole transportation industry. Okay. And they run events like networking events and all that kind of stuff. So it went from Motive Media to TrailCon to now this big industry event where from there I even met like three different groups of people that I'm making videos for. Is this, so you attended some conference for these people? Yeah. So the first one I've, I've done five. I just came back from the fifth event. So that I've done with the TTC. So yeah, so far I've done five events with the TTC. Um, and a lot of it's been like golf tournaments, galas, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And then when, when you're in, like these events, there's a whole bunch of industry heads that go to it and they see me with my big camera shooting around and then they see the final product that they post on the TTC page 
and they say, wow, this kid really knows what he's doing. And then they'll contact yeah. me. Quick sidebar. Okay. On perspective at an event, because I feel like this is important and it's, it's something that I like indirectly feel when I'm somewhere filming something. Yes. It's one of the reasons why I switched from, I've been through fucking so many cameras and I know you've been through your fair share as well, yep. but there's something about um, right now, like you have the C100 Mark II, me as well, and it's something about a camera that big, opposed to using something like a little Sony mirrorless or a Canon DSLR that sets you apart and gives a different perspective when you're out and about actually shooting something for a client in something like a conference atmosphere where there are people who are, you know, big heads of companies and stuff. Yes. They're like, that thing looks expensive. He or she, or she has seen their nephews or daughters DSLR and what it can do and whatever, but they probably haven't seen something like that because they're not in this world, unless they are. But I just think there's, there is definitely something to be said on like, you have to make your appearance, not just how you dress, I mean, it's pretty simple. Just dress in all black at any, yeah. pretty much any yes. conference. Yep. Or like <laughs> crew black. Yeah. Yep. But um, if you're going to a conference or something like that, or or any anywhere, your first impression is perspective, and it's not it's not a hundred percent about gear. That's not what I'm trying to say. But yeah. it's just like it's more about like yeah, take care of your rig essentially. Like make yourself look good as much as you can. I don't a, know. a part of my decision of changing from my old camera that I have, which is the Sony A7S II, to mm -hmm. the C100 Mark II, was that. That was a part of it. I'm losing 4K capabilities. Yeah, which is the fucked up part. Yeah. Like, you're losing specs that are like, okay, I can't shoot, like, slow motion. I can't shoot 4K, which before I did the same thing. And I'm like, okay, well, now I can't punch in on these interviews and stuff. But the... And you can see it when you actually like talk to people. They're like, "Oh fuck, this guy's not okay. That's a camera. Yeah, like that's a yeah. camera. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I was saying. Like, I'm a part of my de like decision of like leaving Sony because I, I didn't like it. It didn't suit me that well. But going mm -hmm. to the C100, which in a sense would be a downgrade from the spec options that are out there on the market, is that fact being like. I love going into a client's like going on to a shoot and pulling that out and then mm -hmm. have the client's look of like, okay, it's not just some like little DSLR mm -hmm. or even the Sony's that look like even smaller than that where they're yeah. just like, cause then in their head, let's just say you're charging good money, mm -hmm. like, like, like a $2,000 shoot for like a website video, still kind of like a pretty standard, standard price. If, if it's a one person full, mm -hmm. full service yeah. type of thing, yeah. why am I paying sure. you $2,000 for a camera that looks like I can get for $200? When I bring this thing out, they're like, oh, that's like a video video camera. I bring out my cinema lenses yeah. to like that yeah. fit on that. They're like, okay, this guy like knows what he's doing yeah. for sure. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's like that. You have to understand, I guess, like, yeah, that's what they're they're looking for to be like kind of blown away. And I, I, that's my point. I, it was but you really, still have to make sure that you're going to be delivering a good product. So like I well, would have downgraded to this just because 100%. it looks big, even though it like shoots no. a lot of crap. This is still a 4K camera, but it just gets down res yeah. to 1080, which still makes great the, sensor. Yeah. Which still makes the image quality like super good. And it is a cinema camera. Mm -hmm. So like it's the colors on this. it, it's like, it's made for video. It still provides like a great product to the client. Yeah, I guess. And it looks better on the outside to the client perception, which is what you were getting at. Mm -hmm. I guess what I was like really trying to get at 
was was that but it was just like to the to every, anybody out there like don't get caught up in like the specs you have to actually understand like the other side of it because if you pull up to a shoot with like a tiny little mirrorless think about like what they're gonna think about yes and it's like it's very important yeah but at, on the flip side too, if you're still if this if it's your first shoot, that's where you can get kind of scary. Where like your client will be kind of like, oh, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. If you have a good portfolio to back you up, they're like, then maybe they'll kind of see past that. Being like, exactly. I know what I'm buying into. I know the quality that I'm going to get because True. like, yeah, you can still show up to a shoot with a Sony A7S II, even though it looks like a dinky little camera. Mm-hmm. But you're still going to get a good quality and good product out of that. True. But it is the fact that if it is a first client, you might have to deal with that kind of weird-eyed look of like whoa how did you charge me so much and that's all you brought what do you mean true it is a very good point yeah that is a very good point sorry that that quit that was a longer sidebar than i thought it was <laughs> gonna be <laughs> but, um. no but i think it definitely still makes sense hey Winston. i think it definitely still makes sense in that event type of space though as well because you're dealing with so many other like big mm-hmm. head professionals that probably like own their companies or are very high up and can make decisions in their companies yeah. where like those are the people that you do want to impress. Of course. So you should go out there with like a nice rig, obviously act professional, get a good product, but like, mm-hmm. yeah. And of course being all black. Yeah. All black. <laughs> black. <laughs> to backtrack a little bit, essentially that story was about getting the one client and prioritize every single client as it could possibly enter a web of other clients if you do good. That, like that should be the mindset. And in some cases it'll work out, some cases it won't, that's life. But in this case, it actually did spiral and go into this huge web of like, okay, now you're at Motive Media and then all of a sudden you're ending up at conferences and golf tournaments. Within like different industries too, which is the crazy thing. Yeah, so I like started off at a place industries. that was just, yeah, I started off at a place that was just about like printing vinyl stickers on like trucks and like inside businesses just to like liven up their like culture and stuff and, mm-hmm. and their space to like doing some real estate shoots for these big industrial buildings. Mm-hmm. That was the stretch of like the different industries I'd be going through. But it's because of someone knows someone knows someone knows someone type of thing. You never know like the one-off video might actually be a one-off video. But the people they know might be the monthly income contact that you need. Yes. So it's like you, you don't know and you have to approach pretty much everybody equally and it's it's that's just being a freelancer of just like okay burn no bridges like, yes that's pretty much it no and that that's it especially <laughs> when you're starting too right that was the very first business i walked into when i moved home because of kingdom of iron and i'm like mm-hmm. okay i want to try and like actually get my own set of like clients and the very first business i walked into was motive media and here i am like from that shoot maybe two years later now and a lot of my clients somehow found their way to be related to motive media still. So it's, it's when you're starting out as, as freelance and like, you're still trying to figure out your clients, just know that there is the hope of like, you, like the next one could be the one that webs out to six. It mm-hmm. could happen really at any second and with any client. A hundred percent. Is there any sort of like, mm. what's, what's, what's the perfect mix that you could do? I don't think so. I think in a sense of like making that web happen, that's not making the web happen isn't in your control, but like 
maintaining the web, I guess, in a sense, is in your control. The only work that I put in for that web was just making that first video because in a sense, I didn't lift a finger to get any other leads off of that first video. Mm -hmm. The video itself is what got the leads for me. There wasn't me trying to like, oh, you know this person too? Let me get in contact with them. True. It's no, they saw that video. They're like, ooh, I like his style. We want something like that. Let me do that. Mm-hmm. And that led to different businesses and different like projects that she was working on at TrailCon that got me all these different other opportunities too. Perfect. That goes to my favorite like morale right now. Actually, not right now. It's just like forever you put as much work into a video or a project and if it costs like five grand make it look like 10 yeah and cycle 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 cost 10 make it look like 20 and with that like you'll always get something that'll be like oh i really liked that video because you know that you actually put effort in into it and it kind of feels good and i feel like for creatives it's easy to always put your best forward no matter what the price is And Mm -hmm. I don't know if if we talked about this on a previous podcast or maybe this is a different guest that you had on, but it was the theory of like, if you're a creative and you get hired for a job, even if it's like a $300 job or like a thousand dollar job, you're probably still going to put as much care Mm -hmm. into that video, depending on timelines and stuff like that. But if it's a project that you like, it's a fair timeline, really doesn't matter on the price. You're still, I don't know of a creative that'd be like, oh, I'm only getting paid $300 for this. I'm not going to like do the Mm -hmm. best type of thing, the best that I can do. Because no matter what the price tag is, it's going to still be your name that's on that video or on that project. And that one video in a year or two years down the line can get you a really cool opportunity somehow indirectly that you don't even know about. So that's why I'm like, doesn't matter how much like you're working for and what your rates are, whatever, you should always be putting like the best product out there because you don't know whose eyes are going to see that. And what type of opportunity that can that can bring you? Straight facts. Yeah, I like that too. Straight facts, yeah. 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 You like that, Winston? <laughs> Winston is literally sitting on Ryan's yeah, lap. Yeah, he's never laid this no. chill on me before. He's I'm kind just, of surprised. He's chilling, nice. man. Um, I mean, it seems really, for somebody who's just making a jump to freelance, it's a lot more intimidating than the jump that you made because it it wasn't really like an all or nothing scenario. Correct. Like you had already had your, your toes in it for a long while. You were doing your own work and your company was nice enough to, to, to kind of like transition you out of it. Yep. And you had pretty much, I'm going to call it best case scenario. Yes. Um, but it, it was a pretty good scenario for you. But yep. do you have any um, advice top things people should look out for top things people should do um, when going freelance, when making that transition, things to remember things to do. And I'll give you number one, hit the streets. Apparently that works. (laughs) Yeah. Walk into a company. If you live in a small town, that's actually better you don't need to live in a big town. Um, There's start at your hometown too. mm -hmm. There's a huge common misconception, even in my own, my own, um, life i was like okay if i live in toronto i'm gonna get more work yeah that means nothing that literally means nothing <laughs> like it couldn't whether i'm editing at home or what whether i'm editing in an agency it doesn't really matter where where i live if like, anything there'd be more odds odds are more in your favor to get like more opportunities but not necessarily better opportunities 
Correct. Then if you were to go into a business in your own hometown mm-hmm. and then try and collaborate with them in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and it depends on the town to it and all that kind of stuff. But also if, if you less do it competition. In your, yes, that is true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, because like Toronto is a big city. Toronto is pretty worldwide renowned now for filmmaking and for video production, all that kind of stuff. Netflix and, and Amazon, they're throwing money at this city. We've always, the Toronto has always been a big city for film in a sense. And that trickles down to even like what we're doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I go back home to my city or into, into my town, there's like no one who is at least at the level that I'm at and mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And I'm confident with that. So it's easy for me to go in there and pitch with two main things, which is that saying like, I know what I'm doing for sure with the experience that I've had, mm-hmm. but two, I've also grown up in this town. So when you have that town to town bond, that kind of helps the mm-hmm. client trust you and have them want to like hire you more yeah. than if you were like an out of town type of person. Oh, perfect, you can relate yeah. on that type of level of like, yeah, I was born and raised in Caledon. Like I've seen this town go from where it was to where it is. I know it's growing. It helps for me to throw in the words kingdom of iron too. Cause I definitely helped that business up. Mm-hmm. A lot of businesses in town are starting to know about that. So when you can start to have that conversation, that can really help gain that local to local business mm-hmm. rather than just, just thinking that you have to go to Toronto or a big city to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Hundred uh, percent. I definitely want to go back a few episodes and stick another one in there. And don't be afraid of free work, man. Like especially if you can get a bigger client, uh, bigger client's name on there. See, that's huge. Don't like, don't be afraid of doing free work, yeah. even if it's for a company in that hometown. And then you can do exactly what you what you just said. Uh, Kingdom of Iron is a different business in your hometown. Yeah, you can showcase. Th- now that and the growth that you made happen to that company somewhere else and it's huge and it helps that they can see it how it can be relatable saying oh you can do that to a business that is in bolton and see it grow that much well i'm in bolton too it's a difference between doing that and showing them a business in toronto of having that growth Mm -hmm. even like i really feel like the small things do go a long way when you get that email respond back right away if you're uncomfortable with phone calls or like the vibe's not there to give a phone call depending on the context of that email then it doesn't have to be the phone call, but at least respond right away. Like your response mm-hmm. time should be impeccable, like right away, especially if you're just starting out freelance. Like that's, that is super important. First impressions are not only the first impression when you have a new client, the first impression is the whole first project is the first yes. impression. Yes. So all the way through maintain, maintaining that communication, open communication um, during the beginning stages all the way through to revisions and the project wrap up. Mm -hmm. There's a really cool thing about being a freelance too, which I, which I guess I've kind of learned of when you, when I first heard the word freelance and what that means, it always felt like, like it's, it was your own clients type of thing. Like all it was, was that you have to go out, you have to get your own clients and do the service for your own clients. And now you're one, actually a couple years into this, I was saying like what freelance really means Freelance could really be anything. It's like your own clients could be me helping out you. you like mm-hmm. your own clients could be another creative yep. that you're just helping out with because they're so busy. Freelance is more just about like it's you running your own business, but the services that you can provide can be to your own clients. It can be to agencies. It can be to friends that like 
that are busy and those can be all the different streams that bring the money in mm-hmm. where and they're just being like oh i'm freelance now okay everything's on me i have to find my own clients and always just deal with clients mm-hmm. from the very first email of the project to the very last invoice of the project it doesn't always have to be like that in terms of the way and, and what freelance is mm-hmm. I, and i feel like that's just experience it is it is really fun and it just gets uh, more ramped up as you you keep going but by no means is it not lonely and i definitely went through that for sure because there's oftentimes um you spend a lot of hours doing things alone especially when you're a video editor well think about that too Mm -hmm. right like versus shooting versus editing shooting is definitely most of the time in a social setting where you'll be around people whether it's crew or client or or whatever but editing is like it's you in that dark room and (laughs) you're just going ham on the edit so I, i definitely get that difference um but yeah i feel like being a creative it's it's easy to uh like to not feel so lonely i guess for like knowing other creatives too and other freelance creatives because mm-hmm. you guys are both going through the same type of thing so mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of like not feel so lonely about it i guess that technically is is a tip of like if you can find other people not necessarily in your field but are doing creative things make that network and make the make Fuck. He always had it. Put your effort into those relationships because they know what you're going through. Yeah. And that makes all of the difference of like you guys can have that conversation at the end of a week and be like, Hey man, my week was really hard because of X and they'll know exactly I'll be like, Oh yeah, I had a client like that and can actually relate and that's huge. And it helps with problem solving too. Sometimes oh, when yeah. you are freelance and you're doing things on your own. You can only do so many YouTube tutorials and all that kind of stuff. And maybe there's a certain problem where it's like super in-depth and very specific mm-hmm. where you're like, no one made a YouTube video about this. Yeah. But then when you have other people that like you can relate to and have that conversation with, A, that solves you through the problem. It can like get you through that problem. Yeah. But then B, kind of like vents a bit. You got to vent and be like, like relate to someone and kind of just get that kind of stuff off your chest. So you don't have to feel so lonely. Dude, you've done that like a bajillion times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what, that's what kind of brought it up as I remember the one time is you, you were doing an edit and there was just like a, a green screen type of thing. And then you wanted to make it to a white background, but the green screen wasn't lit that well. And the white wasn't like looking that good. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, how do I like make this white look good? And Mm -hmm. I kind of like gave you an idea and you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Something like so small, but like, you know, even sometimes when you're wrapped up in a project and your brains are just turning into knots, you're not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. That's where you can turn to someone's shoulder of like a, a someone like another creative. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like someone logically yeah. thinking. Oh, another thing about being freelance is don't think that like you'll have a lot of time off. Maybe at first you will for like when you're starting out and you're still trying to figure it out. But I feel like when freelance is like fully going, sure, you're not working the nine to five. But I find myself still having to like do edits from like seven to eleven at night. Mm-hmm. And it goes with free, like really the value of being freelance is that you can schedule your life on your terms and mm-hmm. don't have to schedule your life yeah. based on a guaranteed nine to five Monday to Friday type of thing. Yeah. But the pros and cons of that are there's lots of times where I'm just like I have shoots during the day and then I still have edits I have to crank out that night. So I'm still working from like seven a.m. to like eleven p.m. Mm-hmm instead of just going to the nine to five and being able to clock out. But yeah. then at the same time, I can still just like take a day off if my schedule allows it. For it, allows it. Yeah. So there is that kind of balance for it, but don't, don't think you can do freelance just because you'll solely have the flexibility 
the, you'll just have more flexibility than being in a nine to five. And I feel like, at least for me, a big part, like when I was like younger, younger, I'm like, yeah, the first initial thoughts of like me going freelance <laughs> was strictly I have that. so much time. Like free time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I have so much free time for myself <laughs> yeah. now. Like, don't have to be stuck in a nine to five. That's and now jokes. that things are actually like going, and like you have to understand like how to, like you maintaining all your clients and how much you more no goes into free freelance. Time. Yeah, how much more goes into freelance than just the actual creative craft that you do. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Understand that like you you won't have more time, but you can be a bit more flexible with your time than mm-hmm. being stuck in that nine to five. To that, like when I was full time freelance. I think I was, I worked longer hours, well, hands down, when I was full-time freelance than I am now. I work nine to five, full-time editing. Yep. But now, I have the toughest time scheduling dumb shit. What would you define as dumb shit? Like, literally, oh, I need to go to Service Ontario. I need to get a haircut. Uh, I need to go to the dentist. Everybody is on the same schedule. Yeah. And when I was freelancing, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go, yeah, I'm just going to leave. Because I know I'm going to be back in half an hour. But it's like, when you work 9 to 5, it's this huge ordeal. Hey, yeah. I, hey guys, I got an appointment. I got to yeah. go to the doctors. I'm not going to be here today. Like, It's just this whole ordeal of like straight up nonsense, which in the grand scheme of things, it's not really nonsense. But it's just something that I'm not used to dealing with because yeah. I've just leave i don't need to tell my clients you, that i have a dentist appointment like <laughs> and you've mentioned this before especially when it comes to the creative process it's hard just to sit down at nine and be like cool i'm feeling creative right now let's go it's uh-huh. not how it works uh-huh. and especially with editing when you're kind of like watching through edits a lot and a lot and your brain just gets fried and you're like oh i just actually i just need to like leave my computer for like half an hour or an yeah. hour go run one of their those errands or something exactly. come back with and fresh it's eyes. actually helpful yes it's actually helpful at that point which is which, not nothing which is which is not something that businesses in like a nine-to-five environment are condone condone yeah no. they don't like that no they're like why are you We're okay paying you for the hours nine-to-five be here work exactly it's it's yeah i definitely still suffer with that and something i just learned i mean i learned it before but it's just like such a wake-up call i worked a lot of ot hours this past week and it's funny how like just because you're working OT doesn't make mean the same amount of work is getting done. Yeah. The more OT I worked and the longer I worked, the slower I got because my brain was just like, yeah, shutting exactly. down. Like, exactly. It was so dumb. But um, yeah, that that that's a pretty good rant if mm-hmm. there ever was one. I don't know if that was so much advice, but um, um, yeah, I think most of this episode was touching on aspects of first impressions and perspective like your thing with school yeah yeah perspective perspective. yeah and then the client webbing yeah hopefully that that turned out okay yeah which is kind of related to first impressions so yeah never i guess never underestimate everything and kind of think through things in a bigger picture sense um, but I guess that's a kind of a good recap. Is there anything that you want to say? Always put a hundred, no, always put a thousand percent into all of your edits. It could be something as small as like a little Instagram post that you're doing for a client or like a full on website video. I mean, try and polish it up as much as you can. Try and make it like the best that you feel possible. Mm-hmm. And I know that as creatives, it's hard to try. It's, it's impossible to find perfection. 
And I find myself doing that too. Like I'll have an edit finished and I'll start going through it like 10, 20 times making notes of like, Ooh, I can put a light leak here. Okay, cool. A little, little sound design here. Cool. A little like cool sure. transition there. And you go through it enough where you're just like, all you're doing now is like, you're trying to make it perfect, but like you'll never reach it to there. Mm-hmm. So try and find that balance of like, Put effort into that polished stage to make sure that like you are really happy with it. Understand that there's really going to be no, no such thing as perfection in our mm-hmm. creative worlds because everything is subjective. Mm-hmm. But make sure the things you're putting out there is well tidied up. Dot your I's, cross your T's in your edits and, and, and whatever type of creative thing that you do. Small or big because you don't know who's going to see it, which like next client's going to see it and what their interpretation of that could be and what those opportunities can bring to you in the future. Boom. Cheers. Good podcast. I'll, I'll come on for a third episode like next year oh. or something. And we'll, we'll see where I'm at there. Hopefully still thriving. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you on the web? Uh, I've been doing a lot of work on my website now. Um, oh, actually, maybe real quick, real quick. I want to touch on that. <laughs> if, if you're creative, especially in video, I can, it's, it's easy to talk about things that like you do and give advice for things that you do. If you're a videographer or like you own your own video agency in any sense and you have a good set list of clients, do video testimonials on them. Yeah, it's cool. Do a project on them. That's cool. If they're happy and if you're excited about how that project turned out, book time to go back to the client, have a quick 15 minute sit down, set up a camera, ask them questions of just like, hey, how did I do? Mm-hmm. Like all that kind of stuff. That's a good Put tip. together like a nice like minute and a half, two minute like testimonial video, have a test a video testimonial page on your website that helps converts to get more clients. If you are a video professional and your website is not full of video, you are slacking. <laughs> Doesn't even have to be video. But the fact that like you know how to make video, it helps. But yeah. if you're in any creative and you have a website, try and get like testimonials, visual type of testimonials. Hey man, people will read it even if think about it. If you're going to to buy something, yes. people will read specs and reading testimonials kind of a similar. But doing thing. that for a service versus a product, I feel like is is worse. Different people people will write their thoughts on a product, and you're like, cool, that's fine. But on a service, it's nice to hear the words come out of a previous client's mouth. That's true. For a potential client to be like, they can kind of tell through their eyes or through their tone that like, okay, no, he's not faking what he's saying. He's actually, like, client believes what he's saying and that that I did a good job. It's easier for me to believe uh, that he will do a good job for me as well. So with that being said, the way you can reach me is on my <laughs> website for sure. If you want to talk on my website. My Instagram's Rye. Well, what's so your R- website? You know I mean? Oh, I didn't even. Uh, Truspective.com. Um, T-R-U-E-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E.com. My Instagram's Rye underscore Owen. So it's R-Y underscore Owen. And then my Truspective page is Truspective underscore video. So give oh, me a follow on all those um, if you want to chat. If we have some collaboration okay. things to do, let me one, know. One more really quick thing okay. because I stopped doing, I was cutting demo reels for a while and then I got really, really I fucking like got other re- people's demo no, reels. No, 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 no. My own demo reel, oh, my yeah. own website. Yeah. And then I got super over it. Yeah. And then I was like, all these people want to see is realistically the names that I work with and the, the projects that I've done. So any public publicly facing project that I'm allowed to put out, I'll put on my website. Yes. Do you think having a portfolio of a list of clients, because in my opinion, I don't think people watch these fucking things. I, I think they see 
oh, this guy worked for TV. This guy worked for Tangerine. You probably see the, like the, the, the thumbnail, thumbnail on the video and they're like, That's okay, cool. That's it. Yep. I don't think they're actually watching my videos. I think they're trusting the fact that, oh, okay, these people trusted him with this. Yeah. I can trust them with that. Versus a demo reel, which I guess is a little bit different because as a cinematographer or an editor... Um, like a cinematographer, it's your style. It's not your clients. It's yeah. your style. But as an editor, it's like these people trust me. You can trust me too. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts towards that? No, Real I do. Quick? And it, it's it's funny. I I've never really liked demo reels either. I think in terms of actually converting to a client, I don't think demo reels. It doesn't tell a story. But if if anything, if they see. Yeah, it showcases like highlighted shots. I guess so. It's kind of just more like money shots, but. I know. I, I figured, like, if I were a business owner trying to come to a video professional for those services, I want to see like an actual project, a story of what you did on someone else's business, versus like a demo reel. True. I guess. I guess that's just my thoughts on that. I feel like it does. It is something that does not need to be. It, you don't need a, a demo reel to get clients. True. You need a portfolio of projects that you worked on, and True. maybe testimonials and all these other aspects to get the clients. So. I really feel like you don't need a demo reel nowadays. You certainly don't need a resume. That's something I'm huge against. <laughs> My God, if a client ever comes to me saying, what's your resume? Yeah, we try. I've, I've definitely sent resumes out, but yeah. Really? Um, to get like, probably to get agency jobs. Yeah, but it's literally, Maybe I get has that. nothing on it. Yeah. Just my it's website. So it's basically weird. just a blank page with my website on it. <laughs> it's so, this is the one industry, or if, if you're in any creative Resume should mean nothing. Yeah, I didn't have to go to school. We don't. We didn't have to go to school for what we want to. No. If if there's a kid out there that can provide a better service than me, yeah, without going to school, hire them. Like that shouldn't be a deal breaker. Being like, oh, but they didn't go to college. Yeah. Oh, but they didn't like work at a Tim Hortons when they were younger. Because like realistically, all a resume is 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 all your previous like jobs too. But I know. Like, when you when you're hiring me for a video, like what what does that matter? Yeah, why do you, you care that I work? You should see the projects like but you should see my execution of the service you're hiring me for versus a resume of where I went to school and like my past and stuff. Mm -hmm. I can see how that's like a resume makes sense for like corporate businesses, but for creatives it's just like it blows my mind how it's still a thing. Blows my mind how like people are still like, oh, let me see, let me see a resume. I'm like, I haven't made a resume since like 2015. <laughs> like, I don't need a resume. My resume is my website. Go to my website, then you'll know what you're getting into. Uh, okay, and that, that's it. That's how I'll wrap it up. Don't make a resume. Make your clients your resume. Boom. Peace out. <laughs>